Dark Fringe Radio, your premier source for the paranormal, conspiracy theory, and true crime. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Stark Bridge Radio. All right, guys, uh, thanks for joining us on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. This is episode 102, and thanks for joining us on another uh, episode. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest, Jay. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking to um, Mark Anthony. He's the, the famous or... Latin musician. No, not that guy. No, no, but the psychic lawyer, the psychic, uh, uh, he is the psychic uh, expedition guy. He uh, goes out and uh, really goes out to these really cool places and uh, like Machu Picchu and these really magical places, Jay, that, uh, you know, a lot of people have, you know, uh, life changing, you know, experiences. That. Really? And uh, yeah, no, it's really cool. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking to him um, and, uh, you know, all the work that he's done. This is uh, we're going to be talking about his third book, which is called The Afterlife Frequency. And it's a really cool book. And uh, he actually sent me a copy here, Jay. And uh, like actually, yeah, signed by him. I actually read the whole book. Um, I put my high school level education at work, Atlantic High School there, uh, Delray Beach. There you go. And <laughs> we didn't um, so much as graduate as much as survive. Yeah, right? yeah. Hey, listen, that's how it was. You know, you survive. You know, uh, but right. that's just that's just such as life. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, uh, we we had a great discussion regarding his newest book, and then you know, uh, a lot of the content about the book. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a little bit, but I, I really wanted to get into the kind of the intro first, of course, Jay, and, um, you know, talk about, uh, you know, how people can listen to the podcast. Real simple stuff. You can go to our website. Um, I, I preach it all the time every week. It's uh, darkfringeradio.com. You can go straight there to our website right there at the bottom, the link right there. All the episodes are there. Over 100 episodes for you guys to watch for free. I, I don't know how else. I mean. Jay, is there even a hundred episodes of um, shit GI Joe? I don't think so, right? I think we have more episodes than GI Joe. I think we may have more episodes than Transformers. I think Transformers ran for four years, right? Uh, three seasons in the original run. Oh, there you go. See, I was not that far off. I knew it was like it was a short amount of seasons. Yeah. I don't know how many episodes uh, per season. First but... season was awesome. Yeah. Second season was awesome. Er. Uh-huh. Then and then third season animated movie oh and and which was the movie was fantastic right uh but the series out. it just went down that was where it died yeah so look i mean we have even more episodes than that <laughs> available for you to watch for free prime exactly. youtube and <laughs> yeah you don't know the depth of our catalog <laughs> please we've been in this game for years all right um, but <laughs> yeah, listen, darkfringeradio.com, real simple. You can go there, uh, check out all the episodes, the latest episodes at the bottom, uh, on our YouTube. So you can watch it right there and actually see the video of the actual episodes. Um, so yeah, please enjoy it. We encourage you guys to go there all the time. We have stuff dropping there every day. Literally Jay yesterday, we just dropped the, um, latest episode or not episode, but the latest trailer for, Halloween Kills, which is the second installment of their recreation of the Halloween series. And it's pretty intense, Jay. It's, uh, yeah, it's coming out October 15th on all streaming platforms and, of course, theaters as well. 
I don't know, Jay. You wanna you wanna make your way out to the theater and see that one? No. <laughs> no, no, bro. It uh, looks intense. It looks here, intense. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm not into the horror movies. I know you're not. I know. It's not about uh, being scared. It it really is about being kind unprepared. Because <laughs> it just none of that shit. Like really, if I right. were to see Jason. Or Mike Myers, right? Or you right, name right. them. I mean, right. at the end of the day, for the most part, they're people. You, you stand a fair chance. It's Kruger's the only one I don't fuck with because it'll my subconscious. That's a whole another spectrum of things. That's right. a whole another deal. All the rest, I kind of sit there and go, okay. Right. I remember we went to that that Shaka Rama. I fell asleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, those by no means. Listen. Well, no, yes, those were yeah. definitely again. Those we were, were we were watching the Amityville soft. Horror, the original one, which was just a fucking terrible, a snoozer of a fucking terrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and then what was the second one that we watched after that? Well, I thought the first one was um, wasn't the first one House on the Haunted Hill with uh, Vincent? Yes, Price? yes, you're absolutely right. That was a no. that was a good one. And that was good. It was older. It, it was scary, like twenty years older. Think- yeah, which is crazy, right? You would think the older film would be the more fucking snoozier of the two, right? You would no, think, it was the no. fucking it was the older one that actually held up better. I mean, you know? it was a fucking snooze. Fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had its parts, but yeah, it, it was a lot of dead parts in that movie. So now, I will, yeah. I will tell you this, Will. I will give you this. What's that? If a Nightmare on Elm Street comes out. Whether it's the Shakarama or big screen or something like that, that I would do. You might be eating your words pretty soon. You know that, right? I do. I do. I know yeah, that's okay. one pro- I know it's process. I know there's talks. <laughs> there might okay. you might be eating your words pretty soon. I don't know what next month is their their special. I know what this month's special is, which is actually this coming weekend, which I won't be able to make. I'm actually gonna be at a soccer game in Doral um this Saturday. But nonetheless. Saturday, they also have a double feature, which is, I think it's the Nightmare on Elm Street. No, not Nightmare on Elm Street. Excuse me. Um, Return of the Living Dead, okay. the second part, and uh, Night of the Creeps, um, which is oh, another okay. film. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, it's a classic. So yeah, that's what they have going on this weekend. I don't know what next month's going to bring, Jay. So you might be fucking, I don't know. You might be. I was going to go. I, last time I was in there, I was ready to go, and I don't remember were. we ended up having a schedule conflict, but I was ready. Yeah, you were. You were. You were. But maybe, hey, not, of course, this weekend, but maybe next time uh, we'll get out there again and do a, you know, on location at Shakarama. That would be really cool. I'm sure people yeah. will really appreciate that as well. Too, especially, awesome. Yeah, next month, you know, October. So it's a, hey, also, Fright Nights at the fairgrounds. Uh, I wanted to see if maybe you wanted to come with us. Maybe you bring little Jay. We could all go together. See some haunted houses and shit. It'd be kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> Those things always get me in trouble, but I'm down. Yeah. Hey, listen, it'll be fun, bro. Hey, we'll we'll talk about that off air. But yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, this is the longest intro ever. 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 And of course, you can check us out and um our social media at Dark Fringe Radio and uh YouTube at Dark Fringe Radio. So make sure you please go there, like, subscribe um that's a really big thing for us we're really trying to push that youtube uh frontier um to the mainstream so whatever you can do to push that and uh 
and uh, help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much uh, for doing that. So uh, again, Jay, that's um, pretty much it for the intro. Um, I wanted to get right into what the F Florida man. So what did you have uh, this week, Jay, for what the F Florida man? Well, I have a treat, William. Uh-oh. Because apparently last week I retold a story. You did. And <laughs> we didn't know I didn't realize. Time. Yeah, I we didn't realize. know. Actually, what I think happened was actually I think that was back in the day, Will, you also used to bring a What the Florida Man. I think that was one you brought that we didn't, we kind of skimmed over. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I will bring evidence on the next episode of Dark Fridge Radio. <laughs> All right. That's that's cool. Let's do that. <laughs> you forget I am the Arctic architect of Dark Fridge Radio. No, I, <laughs> I remember forget. everything. <laughs> it is implanted into this brain. Uh, even I'm as really... much THC that may run through this brain. <laughs> I, no, yeah, I'm right there with you. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. It'll be interesting. Game Folks, on. Listen up to that. Game so, on. number one, story number listen, one. Here we go. Story number one. Florida man arrested on allegations he used COVID relief funds to buy a Lamborghini. Wow. Yay. Nothing but taking like advantage of the system and getting the money and using that to buy a goddamn Lamborghini. Wow. Yep. Let me guess out of yeah. Miami. Of course, it's out of Miami. Where else is anybody? The people that buy Lamborghinis in Boca or in Jupiter yeah. pay cash. They, they have the money for it, actually. Yeah. 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 No, in Miami, it's all cocaina. It's... Or something else like this. <laughs> or something like this. Yeah. Florida Let's man story, is facing Jay. several charges after authorities said he used the COVID relief funds to buy a Lamborghini and bank millions of dollars. Shit. David Hines is being charged with one count of bank fraud one count of making false statements to a financial institution, and one count of engaging in transactions with unlawful proceedings. Basically, what this guy did was he said he was cash and payroll checks that he wasn't, got millions of PPP monies, went out, bought himself a 2019 Lamborghini Huracan, <laughs> uh, and then got his ass thrown in jail. Well, yeah, and um, just for in case if you guys um, don't know what Jay the hell is talking about, um, there was a government relief program where people could apply for PPP loans and funds, uh, which f- was for small businesses, where you could go in and basically get loans at no, basically no uh, payback at all. I mean, you didn't None. even have to pay this shit back at all, Jay. And nope. um, I guess this guy did it to the tunes of millions. And, uh, you know, listen. And he got tossed in jail. Exactly. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle he Sam starts shit. snooping around and he starts finding out you're yeah, you're hanging out with a Lamborghini Huracan um riding up and down South Beach. Um, yeah, your ass is gonna get caught. Um there's funny of these problems in your life, son. Yeah, I don't understand why people think like they're gonna get away with shit like that, especially when you spend the money on shit like that. It's or, so apparent, you know. Or 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 what there are other people that are it's Oh, the scary yeah. thought is how many people are doing it that aren't getting caught. Right, right, right. Yeah. But yes, you're right. If you're going to steal millions of dollars, you don't go live above your means. Right. You just know that your bills are paid. But yes, you know, I mean, listen, you're right. I mean, uh, what you're saying is true because um, from the ones we don't catch, 
or with the ones we do catch, imagine the ones we don't catch. But, um, you know, South Florida is rot full of um, schemes and scams like this, Jay. Um, listen, I've been in the finance. Business. Paradise, baby. I've been in the finance business for 20 years, Jay. Let me tell you. And I've been through the um, the mortgage crisis in 2008, where everybody crashed in 2008. I've been through all that. I've been eight years before that, all the way up until maybe about eight years ago, 10 years ago. Um, I saw it all. I saw people doing all kinds of crazy shit. Oh, Jay. I don't doubt it. Oh, it's, it's crazy. I, you know, it, it, you have to have a, a little bit of morality too, because no matter what you end, eventually get caught, your, your name yeah. gets caught in some kind of bullshit because your name is attached to something you, oh, you signed off on something because that's how the mortgage business was. And, um, you know, even now these people are trying to take advantage of the PPP loans, uh, because of the coronavirus. I mean, that's just fucked up. I mean, terrible. There's people that are actually dying. You know what I mean? That could, you know, use those funds for something maybe to find a better place to find treatment or well, whatever I mean, the case may be. You know what I mean? Not for nothing, not for nothing, but yes, you're, you're hundred percent right. Those funds should be going to people that deserve them. Not people right. who just want to look really good on Saturday. Yeah. 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 Really horrible Jay. But listen, uh, thanks for, uh, you know, giving us that, uh, uh, you know, what the F Florida man. Yeah. Well, uh Oh, what do we got? There's Jay? more. Oh, there's more. Since I told the bad one last week, I prepared a second one. Oh, a makeup this one. Week. Nice. Florida man hospitalized after iguana runs into bike, causing crash. <laughs> Listen, that could happen anywhere in Florida right now. Even my backyard. I mean, it's they it's ridiculous. Iguana season right now. Oh, and they're big. Yes, they're huge. But by, by by the just give you guys a. Um, how do I say uh, a comparison? These iguanas are probably the size of a what? A small dog, Jay? Some Easily. of them? Easily, Easily. right? Yeah. Easily. Easily the size of a chihuahua, right? Yeah. I yeah. With, some, with an some... extended tail of an extra size of a, like, you know, a dog. Those tails are nasty, wise. man. Yeah. Those tails and, will mess uh, you up. Oh, exactly. So let's hear the story, Jay. So <laughs> a 60-year-old marathon man so is down the keys down the keys yeah required stitches on thursday after an iguana ran into the front of his bike bicycle causing him to crash now obviously no one really got seriously injured he Thank fell God. but what caused the crash and there's a picture of it and i suggest friends you google this oh i'm gonna find it it's gonna be on here don't worry there's an iguana and spokes in all the mangled front wheel. Oh, yeah. So it ran into the front wheel right between the fork and is right. stuck between the wheel and the brake. So oh. that thing literally ran up into the wheel and he right. went. Oh. So he took the worst possible hit that he could take as a debacle, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I would have just taken a fucking bump to the side and gone off to the side of the road to the weeds and, okay, I'm good. You know, now this guy went through the whole ringer, huh? Oof. Well, listen, it'll be on. Don't worry. I'll find the picture. Find that it'll picture because it's fucking hilarious. This is just <laughs> iguana laying oh. a fork. Just listen. And poor guy it. just bicycling along in Key West, you know? Like Kermit you know, the Frog. Chilling out, you know? All of a sudden, yeah, Kermit the Frog comes splashing out. 
goes right through your fork of your of the frame the of your fuck, bike. Diggy? Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, that's that's Florida, of course, for you. And Jay, thank you and for that's Florida man. Yeah, exactly right. That's what that uh, Florida man for you. Uh, again, uh, Jay, just wanted to remind everybody tonight, um, our interview with Mark Anthony, the Psychic Laureate Explorer. Uh, you know, Jay, we've had him on the uh, podcast here a couple times before. before. Um, he's been on uh, for his prior books uh, that he had, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. Uh, now he has his third book coming out, which is called Afterlife Frequency. Send me the copy of the book, Jay. Uh, I got it about a week and a half before we actually had the interview. I can tell you, Jay, really insightful stuff. Um, yeah. He kind of really kind of like uh, breaks everything down about how uh, things work in the afterlife, how the whole transition of life uh, once we die, uh, when we go to the afterlife, how that all kind of works out. But he kind of throws like real world stories into um, all these little transitions that he goes through when it comes to talking about that. And, um, you know, it kind of breaks down how our soul has transitioned into the afterlife. Also, another acronym he comes with is RAFT. Um, and that's how we recognize when we see these things sometimes, Jay. Um, you know, like, you know, we have these conversations sometimes and, and I'm going to get kind of off topic here, but it's not really off topic, but it's kind of a sidebar thing. You know, sometimes, Jay, we talk about how sometimes we feel certain things. Yeah. We feel certain spirits. Yeah. Right. We talk about yeah. these experiences. So he's actually developed a acronym called RAFT. And it's a it's an acronym for us to be able to recognize, um, affirm and figure out and then get into how we can see these things take these things as messages and maybe um, affirm them in some way. You know what okay. I'm saying? Because yeah. a lot of times we get these messages and we don't know what they mean. You know what I mean? Either yeah. would it be in a dream or uh, a song or a smell, um, a sound, something, something yeah. that somebody says and you're like, Oh shit. You know, that's what so-and-so said, you know, a lot of the time. So, so, you know, there's just all these things, these, these signs and he's come up with a system and all these acronyms uh, for people to um, really, you know, uh, discern them and help develop their kind of own psychic being, you know what I mean? As a, yeah. as a normal person. And, you know, and, and it's also a grieving, you know, tool and technique because a lot of times, you know, when we grieve and we lose somebody that we love, um, it's hard for us to move on. A lot of, you know, uh, I'm sure you've seen it in some people, but I've sure I have. I've seen people where when they lose somebody, um, they kind of get stuck in their own kind of personal hell. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, they don't leave it and they just kind of stay perpetually in that thing and they just can't get out of it. You know what yep. I mean? It's, you know, enough time has passed, but they just yeah. can't get out of it, you yep. know? So there's a lot of those things that we talk about um, and that in this book. And it's just, I think, um, a really good uh, way for uh, someone to kind of maybe structure this, these thoughts that are coming into their mind. But nonetheless, a great book. Uh, we're going to be getting into that with uh, Mr. Mark Anthony here, the Psychic Explorer and Explorer. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode here coming up. So thank you so much. Hi, this is Tammy Merhab Travis of Holly Weird Paranormal Podcast, and you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. 
Very good. Very good. Well, listen, um, thank you again for joining us on another edition for Dark Fridge Radio. Uh, I am your host, Will Martinez. And tonight we have a very special guest. Of course, he's here with us tonight, Mr. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, the psychic explorer. Uh, we've had him here a couple of times on the podcast. Thank you for coming back on. Uh, Mark, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Will. It's great being here. And, you know, we were talking before we went on the air is you had me on five years ago when my last yeah. book, Evidence yeah. of Eternity, launched. And here yeah. I am on the eve of my new book, The Afterlife Frequency, <laughs> getting to yeah. launch. So I think this is a good sign, Will. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny that you say that um, a lot about this book uh, that you've come out with and I've read. And thank you for sending me a copy. Um, it's right here. Uh, wonderful book, by the way. Very easy read. Um, it's not difficult. It takes very little time, but a lot of great information, Mark. And, um, you know, we were just talking about that, you know, the synchronicity of five years. Synchronicities play a big part in this book, don't it they? Does. Yeah, yeah, because, um, see, one of the reasons I wrote this, and thank you for, for saying it's an easy read with a lot of information. Yes. Because, you know, my work as an attorney, um, mm -hmm. what I had to take very, very complicated concepts right and then be able to present it to a jury now juries aren't stupid okay they're <laughs> they're intelligent people but they're not yeah, used yeah. to uh, the legal terminology the legalese or or if the case involved a lot of um, forensics or medical terminology you got to mm -hmm. put it in in a way that people can understand it and let me right. tell you uh, taking the quantum physics and figuring a way to write that in everyday language there, there was one day, Will, I was like, I was trying to understand space-time. <laughs> and the thing is, because in, in, um, on, on the other side, on what I call the afterlife frequency, mm -hmm. there's no time. Mm -hmm. And quantum physicists, physicists believe that when you get to the quantum level, because everything's made of molecules, which are made of atoms, which are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons, mm -hmm. which in turn are made of the smallest particle, quantum, quantum, quantum physics, that's where that comes from, right. that because everything's pure energy, um, past, present, future are all happening simultaneously. So I'm trying to understand this and then how to explain this. And man, I was getting ready to start just pulling chunks of my hair out. I mean, I was like, you know, and so I was taking a break and I was just, just a little web surfing. And all of yeah. a sudden, a quote from, from Werner Heisenberg comes mm. up. And mm. Heisenberg is one of the founders of quantum physics. I mean, right. his friends were Albert Einstein and Max Planck. <laughs> what does that right. tell you? You know? Yeah, exactly. And he said, when you think you understand quantum physics, you really don't. And I started laughing because it's like, okay, I felt so much better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then another theory comes into play and then throws everything out the window what you thought, right? It, it does. Like um, one of the, the scientists who endorsed this book, and, and I'm, I'm very honored. And, and Yes. I was actually going to get into him about the, the forward uh, by Dr. Gary Schwartz. Yeah. Um, Dr. Gary Schwartz is such yeah. an amazing guy. Yeah. And um, uh, I just I just have a total admiration for him. And uh, one of the other scientists who endorsed this was Dr. Dean Radin, who's the chief scientist of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And we were talking about quantum physics. And he said, you know, he goes, you get a bunch of us in a room together, a bunch of physicists. Nobody can agree on anything, you know, it, it, because it, it, it's such an exciting field. 
Right. You know, I think from for a lot of people, you know, that show the Big Bang Theory, you know, they, they were poking fun at physicists and all that. I've learned more about quantum physics from that show alone than I've ever learned in my entire life. Exactly. You know, I'd watch it and then I'd go look some of the stuff up. And obviously the writers, you know, they're giving giving uh, terminology and stuff. But mm-hmm. but physics is is such an exciting frontier in, yes. in science because it really does explain everything mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. Yes, and, it does. And, yeah and that's the reason i wrote this book is because you know i was an inquisitive kid right i became an inquisitive teenager then i became an inquisitive lawyer and i believe that there is and, and also being a psychic medium Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so I've been talking to dead people, my, you know, my whole life and my parents <laughs> were as well. Right. So, and my dad was a Navy SEAL and a right. NASA engineer. And I remember dad telling me once, he said, Mark, nothing is impossible. If you put enough money and research into something, you can figure out anything. Mm. And, and, you know, well, that really stuck with me. And so I wrote this book because I believe that there is a logical, rational, explanation for everything and that includes the afterlife that includes mediumship that is communicating with spirits that includes near-death experiences shared death experiences deathbed visions Mm -hmm. uh, visitations when spirits come and connect with with people who aren't necessarily mediums there is a logical explanation for everything and the key to that is quantum physics yeah, it's so funny that you say that because it, it makes perfect sense why you'd be the perfect person to write a book like this. Uh, you get the you got you had the the upbringing of having the mediumistic side and also having that structured military style based finding all the real evidence science based you know things that you can put you know answers to and mix them together and that's what this book does in a lot of ways. Um, because, you know, there's one uh, particular concept that you um, talk about, and that's EMS. And that's a really interesting concept. I really, I'm fascinated by that. Could you tell my my listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, the the EMS, that stands for electromagnetic soul. Mm -hmm. And from the, since the dawn of history, philosophers have pondered the nature of consciousness. Philosophers, um, sociologists, refer to who and what we are, our sense of self as consciousness. Mm-hmm. People of faith refer to this as the soul or the spirit. And so the debate about, you know, it does the brain create consciousness or did consciousness pre-exist the brain? Well, then, you know, fast forward into the modern era and neuroscience is the study of the human brain. And mm-hmm. neuroscientists believe that the brain creates consciousness based on chemical reactions and electrical impulses, but they can't explain how. And uh, I was having this discussion with Evan Alexander, the um, Mm -hmm. Harvard uh, um, neuro um, surgeon who had a near death experience. And he said, Mark, you go to a a textbook uh, in medical school about the brain Mm -hmm. and there'll be 900 pages on functions of the brain and maybe a paragraph of consciousness because neuroscientists have absolutely no idea what causes consciousness. Mm-hmm. And we know from faith, people of faith believe that the soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, 
and then leaves the body at death. We know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. We also know that the brain operates on electromagnetic energy. So it came to me one day when I was working and researching, it's the electromagnetic soul. And that's a 21st century term that combines both faith and science. And so when when Dr. Gary Schwartz, who's the head of parapsychology, psychology, physics, and surgery at the University of Arizona, he's got two PhDs. I mean, the guy is, is you know, <laughs> a man. Right. And he wrote the forward for my book and he called me up and he goes, the EMS. I love it. That's yeah. what it is. And, and right. it was like, what an honor. And so, so scientists that have reviewed the book, um, now the term EMS, electromagnetic soul, is starting to be used in scientific circles because of this book, which, you know, isn't even on the market yet. It's amazing. It's, it's really uh, amazing. It's, it's very, uh, it's very humbling. No, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's now not only are you part of, you know, uh, you know, as far as being a psychic medium, a lawyer, being successful in so many other different ways. Now, your your you know your theories now are being uh, you know shown and and shared in the sci- scientific realms now in circles. You know, it's so crazy to me that you know we have these barriers. As you know, we, you talked about faith um, just a second ago. Um, a lot of faith based people. You know, do you think that that creates a barrier for them now? not allowing them to maybe uh, vibrate at a higher frequency because, you know, like you mentioned in the book, there's a lot of parallels between spirit communication and, uh, you know, people that are non-religious and religious, uh, or maybe, you know, who do occultish type things, uh, according to some of the religious people. Do you think that those, those things is, Oh, that's evil. Is that a block that, you know, the religion maybe sometimes, you know, hinders upon people? Yeah. You know, um, the crux of my work as Mm -hmm. as a medium and as a near-death experience researcher and as as a researcher and author Mm -hmm. has not been to add to the divide between faith and science, but rather to bridge it, Mm -hmm. hence the term electromagnetic soul, because there is a delivery system for everything. There is an explanation for everything. And I've heard it said that the ultimate objective of science is the discovery of God. Now, that's pretty heavy duty. Now, yeah, course, is. <laughs> say, well, I don't need to know that. But a lot of people, you know, would, would, would like that. Right. And so um, what I'm doing is explaining how this works, how these things happen. And I like what Nikola Tesla said. In fact, in the background there, I, I got a Tesla sphere. Yes, um, you know, people, a plasma <laughs> ball. Nikola Tesla invented that. I mean, not that one. I mean, that that one I bought at the mall, but <laughs> it meant free energy, basically. That was but, a theory, yeah, right? Created that. And right. Nikola Tesla said that what one man calls God, another calls the laws of physics. So I'm not, you know, I don't believe that that faith and science should be mutually exclusive. And I right. think that as we progress into the 21st century, people of faith will be more open to science. And that people of science will start seeing that there There might be something to those old tales. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and I think that both of them can learn, you know, from the other. Gotcha. 
Um, you know, that's a great concept. Another concept that you bring up in the book is, um, is an acronym called raft, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, raft is a really cool concept. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about raft if you could Mark? Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out how do you explain to people who are not mediums, right. How to have, or how to interpret and get the most out of a mediumistic experience or a psychic experience. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, um, a lot of my colleagues that are mediums, they write these books and do these courses. I'll turn you into a medium. The truth is not everybody is going to be a medium. Not mm-hmm. everybody is a medium. Now, you and I can play tennis, okay? We can go out on a tennis court and pop a ball around so we can have the experience of playing tennis. Mm-hmm. But am I going to turn, are, are you going to turn into Roger Federer? Am I going to turn into Jakovic? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not, um, you know, with all due respect, it's not yeah. going to happen. It's not right? going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing is you can't just turn anybody into a medium. To me, it's like you're either a medium or you're not. But right. that being said, you, we can all have the experience. So I was trying to figure out how do you explain this? And, and uh, well, I was beating my head against the wall. Uh, literally sure. another one of those you know like with the heisenberg and so i decided <laughs> to go for you know, i had the dreaded writer's block and so yeah. i decided i'm gonna go for a walk on the beach so i get up and i start heading towards the beach yeah because i live near it and i get this tingly sensation okay when i get this cold chills and tingles it's like okay this is spirits okay mm-hmm. electromagnetic soul is being interfaced with the electromagnetic souls from from the afterlife frequency so I do an about face away from the beach and head towards this bike path. And so I'm taking a walk on the bike path and I know that I have to do this. Don't know why. And suddenly I see these two objects shining in the sun hmm. and I walk up to them and I see it's a nickel and a penny. And I hear my mother's voice, both mom and dad have passed, but I, I, you know, I, I sense when they're around. Right. And I hear a mom's voice saying, and if they're, if their heads down, don't touch it. And I started laughing because my mother's family was of Italian descent. All right. Your family, Martinez, it seems like Puerto you know, Rican. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the same right. thing. Yeah. yeah we, we have a superstition for every Very superstitious. Day. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't cross yeah. your silverware. Don't walk. Yeah, yeah. Out. And, and, yeah. and I hear this. And then I hear my dad's voice say, it's money. <laughs> grab it. And I start laughing. So I grab this and I was like, OK, so my parents are here and I'm looking at the the, the nickel and the penny. Go, oh, six cents. And I say, sixth sense. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. They're, they're trying to tell me something. Right. And then I'm getting more tingles in my mind's eye fills with an image of my dad standing in the ocean up mm. to his waist, holding this blue canvas raft that he used wow. to have. And now my dad was a Navy seal. Mm. He was a scuba diver and he was a swimming instructor. And I remember that canvas raft and all of a sudden it dawned on me raft recognize accept feel trust and that's what they were trying to tell me and so i ran back to my house got my computer on and the words just flew out of me and what my parents were doing is instructing me on a four-step process to help people who mediums and non-mediums alike how to recognize the presence of spirits accept the contact as real Give yourself permission to have it. Feel it without fear and feel first, think later. In other words, this is where people go wrong. They hit the F part the, the and they start. They reverse. Okay, yeah, they reverse. They the start, start, you know, locking it up with it's a grief right. induced hallucination. It's a coincidence yeah. on this. Okay, get through that. R-A-F-T. 
T trust, trust mm-hmm. the message. Right. And it was like, oh my gosh. And then I realized it wasn't just about when you feel the spirits around you, you can apply the raft technique to, if you go for a, a session with a medium like myself, mm-hmm. how to interpret the things afterwards, mm-hmm. you can use the raft technique to make sense of your near death experience of deathbed visions where you're um, in close proximity to someone you know who is transitioning and they are seeing spirits of of their loved ones um, coming to them. You can use it to interpret, let's say you have a dream, a direct visitation. um, And so the raft technique has a broad application for all the different types of what I refer to as interdimensional communication, right? Mediumship, near death experiences, shared death experiences, deathbed visions, visitations, because everything that's happening there is an alignment of the brainwave frequency of the frequency of our electromagnetic soul with the higher frequency of the afterlife frequency. And you get a frequency alignment, a match, that's what spirit communication is. That's what happens in mediumship. That's what happens in an NDE. That's what happens in a deathbed vision. And it's like, it all became very clear to me. And it all can be explained as, as I do my best to in the afterlife frequency on the basis of science. Right. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, One question I had for you, Mark, um, and it was actually regarding one of the chapters that I found very compelling. Um, and it's regarding one of the you know subjects you just mentioned, uh, NDEs, near to the experiences, of course. Um, a lot of people experience these things uh, more than what more people think. Um, I myself, I've experienced two of them <laughs> in my life. I Let did me not ask, know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, one at age five and one at age seven. So okay. um, two crazy different scenarios, but nonetheless, um, do you find that people that have been exposed in that way? are more sensitive or maybe their frequency has changed a bit or they're open a little bit more to communicating with the afterlife or other frequencies? I do. And, and, uh, excuse me, I do a lot of work with the international association for near death studies Mm -hmm. and having had an NDE myself when I was four, Mm -hmm. I think, um, you hit the nail on the head. Will. Does it make you more sensitive to this? Yes, because when you have an NDE, when you, um, you know, think of it like it's like a rubber band. We're in our world and the rubber band pulls you right up to the other side dimension, that afterlife frequency, and then you get pulled back. Right. If you didn't get pulled back, it'd be a death experience. And then we wouldn't be be talking right now. (laughs) Well, we would, but not like in different ways. (laughs) So when people undergo that experience, it removes the hesitation, the blocks, the fear, and it gives you a much broader understanding and perspective. And it's also not unusual for people who have NDEs to return from the experience with enhanced psychic ability or what i call spiritual situational awareness yeah that's another thing i wanted to get into yeah spiritual situational awareness and this is a concept you brought up in another one of your chapters and i thought that was really cool because i mean this this thought of this 
theory could literally help you save your life. I mean, <laughs> like you, well, you mentioned yeah, in the book, I mean, yeah, can, yeah. Spiritual situational awareness. Um, my dad was a Navy SEAL mm-hmm. and everything was about be aware. I mean, that was dad's mantra. Be aware, be aware. Right. Yeah. And he was right. I mean, I remember being a kid and he taught my brother and I um, how to swim without making sounds and how to walk through the woods without making noises. And he taught us all this really cool stealth stuff. And um, I didn't realize till, till years later, actually when he was passing, um, I didn't know that, that my dad had been on several covert operations and did all this. I mean, I didn't realize until he was, he was uh, in the last year of his life that my dad was basically Rambo. I mean, it was like, wow. oh my God, you know? Yeah. And uh, there was reasons they didn't talk about it much. Uh, a lot of it, he said, it was very painful. But the thing is, he said that you always have to be aware. And then I started working around um, police officers when I was a prosecutor. And then in, in uh, my criminal defense practice, situational awareness is a very highly valued skill by law enforcement, uh, first responders, and by the military. And what that means is being aware of what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't walk into a situation, you know, like if you walk into a bar, you, you, yeah. you know, scope out who's around, what's around, you know, walking to your car in a parking lot at night. You know, a lot of people fall prey to criminals simply because they're not paying attention. I saw this uh, post uh, on Facebook recently. It cracked me up. It shows a public park. Yeah. This is perfect for your show. Okay. okay. <laughs> this public park, there's all these benches and everybody right. there's on their cell phone. Everybody's looking at their uh, cell phone. Yeah. And yep. in the background, Bigfoot is walking by. <laughs> and the caption is, this is why there have been no recent uh, sightings of Bigfoot. And Bigfoot, I'm cracking yeah. up. Everyone's so focused <laughs> on, on the electronic devices and all that, right. that we're losing our natural situational awareness. Mm. And so in, in the afterlife frequency, I explain about spiritual situational awareness, mm. which encompasses situational awareness, but now expands it beyond what is visible and seen to the energetic fluctuations and the presence of spirits around you. And so spiritual situational awareness, which is enhanced through application of the raft technique, which I explain and teach about in the book, um, can definitely save your life. Wow, amazing, really amazing. Um, You know, you also talk about, you know, we talked about the near-death experiences, but also shared death experiences. I thought that was way out there. I was like, whoa, I was like, okay. Near-death yeah. experiences I already knew about, but I was like, shared death experiences? I was like, wow, this is another new concept that that it was there, but I really never put it together. Explain, Shear- please. Yeah, yeah shared death experiences. Uh, my friend and colleague, Dr. Jeffrey Long, who is the founder and head of Enderf, the Near-Death mm-hmm. um, Experience Research Foundation. Yeah, you know who he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he is way cool. And um, he and I, um, we were talking and um, he refers to shared death experiences as the new frontier Mm -hmm. in afterlife research. And I think he's absolutely correct about that. Yeah. We all know about a near death experience where somebody uh, dies, they go, you know, leave their body, they go into the light and then they return. 
and the the big the big criticism from the 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 cynics um is that well it's a subjective experience but what about when more than one person right has that experience and see now this is beginning to be more and more documented around the world so let's say there's one person who's in imminent danger of dying and maybe there's another um, uh, two or more people in imminent danger or threat of dying and they both come back from the experience and explain the same thing and what they saw and what they encountered and some many and most of the time they talk about seeing each other as a spiritual entity all right <laughs> then there is there's an overlap between sde shared death experience and dbvs get a lot of acronyms in this deathbed yeah, yeah. visions yes because and and i've been called to the bedside of of many dying people because families want me there and um it's a lot of responsibility sure it is and, and it isn't easy but you know if i can help you know help with the family um but people who are dying many times they will start to see the spirits of their loved ones start to come through to to greet them to welcome them when they transition to the other side and and oftentimes when you have someone who is in imminent you know danger or imminent uh, process of of dying people around them healthcare workers hospice workers family members close friends they start to experience what that person is experiencing they may see the spirits they may get the sensation of being lifted up off their feet they may see a bright white light come out of the person when when they physically die and it's because frequency, okay? The people around them, whether they're mediums or not, they have um, the same, we all have the same basic physiology. The vibration, the frequency of their electromagnetic souls is being touched by this frequency shift from the person who's transitioning from our world to the next, to the other dimension. And, and that's just a drop in the bucket of, of how I explain this in the book, yeah. but shared it. And see, what, what's happened, Will, is that a lot of people are afraid to talk about these things. There's yeah. a huge social stigma. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, near-death experiences have been reported for centuries. Right. Um, in, in, in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about, I know a man caught up in the third heaven. Mm -hmm. Whether it was in this world or the other world, I do not know. Only God knows. Only God knows, and right. Let me tell you, we zero in on that one. Hello, Jacob's Ladder. I mean, the original <laughs> exactly. stairway to heaven. I also think um, um, Charles Dickens. Right. Okay. We've all had to, I don't want to say suffer through, but we've all had, we've all seen versions of A Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris, uh, Charles Dickens lived in, in England in the early to mid, mid 19th century, which mm -hmm. coincided with the golden age of spiritualism. All right. Mm -hmm. That's when psychic phenomena kind of became a thing in Britain. I mean, Queen Victoria was really Table tipping, scrying, all that stuff. Right? Oh yeah. All that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, Dickens was a student of psychic research. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dickens was really into this. And I just gave a lecture on this at the International Association of Near-Death Studies 2021 online conference. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and in my PowerPoint presentation, I had this graphic, 
And I said that it's very possible the Christmas Carol was based on accounts of NDEs and a life review. Because think about it, Ebenezer Scrooge, miserable, narcissistic, greedy, nasty old guy. Right. And all of a sudden, the ghost of Christmas past comes through and explains to him or shows him when he used to be a nice guy. When he was young, he had a love interest, he was happy, but then he started becoming egoistic and materialistic. The ghost of Christmas present shows him what a miserable, miserly um, narcissist he's become, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows him a horrific future um, where he dies mm. and he's mocked and, and forgotten. And this could be what's called the life review because people in NDEs, uh, deathbed visions, report, we all heard my life flash before my eyes. And that's more than just, just a, a, um, a, a colloquialism. A saying, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> people people uh, have that, and that's a big component of a near-death experience is the life review. But it gets even juicier than that, because with the ghost of Christmas yet to come, it appears that this could have been an account of what's known as a DNDE, a distressing near-death experience, also known as a hellish NDE. And a hellish NDE happens in about five, I think five, maybe 10% of the cases, but it may be less than that. It doesn't seem to be as common where people don't, you know, go through the tunnel into the light and have the beautiful experiences like you did and I do. Instead, they go to another realm. And it's not so much that it's, it's, it's hell. It is sort of a cosmic wake-up call. Purgatory, maybe? Well, it's, it's a wake-up call. <laughs> right. And, so, gotcha. so, um, and for, the, for the benefit of the listeners, this is not in my book, okay? No. <laughs> this is part of my lecture series because I'm not one of these um, authors. I'm not going to read you my book. You know, right. I spent six years write, um, writing this because I want you to enjoy that. Right. But what I'm discussing here is what I talk about, like on this show and at the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And there's been a lot of speculation and analysis of, of Charles Dickens that if he didn't have an NDE, then he certainly spoke to people who did. And from that, he came up with the idea of a Christmas carol. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool stuff. I think that's a pretty fascinating. And you know what? I, I want to throw another uh, stick into that log if I could, um, pun intended, but how about him having a DMT trip? Maybe that was a bad DMT trip. I mean, who could have been a bad DMT trip? Yeah. DMT I mean, is dimethyltryptamine. Correct. Yeah. Dimethyltryptamine is when the pineal gland in your brain. Okay. When your pineal gland begins to degrade, it produces a chemical known as dimethyltryptamine DMT. DMT can also be synthesized. And basically, it's a hallucinogenic. So the, the critique is that a, a DMT trip, that, that an NDE isn't real, that it's actually a side effect of a dying brain. And that it can be artificially recreated through the DMT that they're able to synthesize. Right. Well, that's all very fine, well, and good. But um, 
if you shock a dead frog's leg like Luigi Galvani did mm-hmm. in in I believe it was 1870, mm-hmm. okay, Benjamin Franklin had just discovered electricity a couple like a decade and a half before. All right. right? You know, we all know the story about Franklin the out in the kite. <laughs> with the kite and the lightning struck it and all that but right, no, right. i mean he was known as dr franklin i mean he was a genius uh, he was, he was yeah. yeah he was respected on both sides of the atlantic mm-hmm. and and um luigi galvani started using electrodes to shock dead frogs and their legs began to move and he's the one that discovered and coined the term bioelectricity and that's mm. when scientists began to realize that our nervous system works on electrical impulses. So if you shock a dead frog and the leg moves, does that make it alive? It's a good concept. Yeah, it's a good question. No, no, no. Because artificially recreating um, something does not make it the genuine experience. Mm. So just because you take DMT and it will give you feelings of floating, the sense that it's a spiritual experience, what it doesn't do, it doesn't make you feel like you've transported through a tunnel into the light. It doesn't make you interact with spirits of people that you know who have died. And it doesn't make your consciousness float down the hall in the hospital to see (laughs) your family crying and then come back and and report exactly what they what you saw. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Well, yeah, there was a woman in Japan who who had an NDE and she was in the hospital and her parents were there and and she had died on the operating table and they resuscitated her. And she said, it was such a strange experience because I saw my sister, but that cannot be for she is alive. And her parents broke down crying and said, actually, she was killed in a car accident last night. Wow. Okay. This woman didn't know that. So why would a DMT trip get her yeah. to go see her sister in spirit? Yeah. So, that's something a lot more than that, obviously. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, one of the interesting things about the, uh, Galvani, yes. um, in I think it was in 18, 1817, it gave Mary Shelley the idea to write Frankenstein. Frankenstein. You know yeah. where you, you um electri- you know electrify dead material and right. it brought this creature back to life, which turned into a monster. You right. know so, but but the the moral of the story here is that artificial recreation of something does right. not mean it is the genuine experience correct yeah i i agree i agree um another story that you talk about in your book and there's it's full of stories i mean great stories and the way you piece things together with the theories it's, it just it really is um amazing how you did it but there was a story that you spoke about it was a rainy day in new york and um you were headed to um I think it was a library or it was a, a reading or something, but yeah. you were there with your manager and it was yeah. raining and all of a sudden you felt something and you knew certain things were going to happen the way it did. And then it all came together at the end and it was all affirmed. Um, can you talk about that story a little bit? I think just this, this story alone is just like, it kind of puts everything all together. Like to me, uh, you know, spiritual yeah. awareness, knowing your, your situational spiritual awareness. I mean, please. Yeah. I, I don't like to give away too many of the surprises in the book, but, but yeah, uh, 
that story I, I i do recall quite quite clearly yes um, and and things like that have happened to me before um mm -hmm. and actually happen all the time but yeah. what it was is i was on my way to a spirit communication event right and in new york city and i was with my manager rocky she she travels with me and i, I kept saying there, there's people with us. And she goes, Mark, we're in Manhattan. There's people everywhere. <laughs> I said, no. The other ones. <laughs> oh, she goes, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's all these children. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Okay. And then we got to the venue. And um, it was weird because when we got to New York City, I was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was scheduled. And, and I went and I'd done a TV show um at msnbc at 30 rock and it was really it was really cool because the studio next door they had just finished doing a um the taping of saturday night live you know so yeah, yeah. that was cool i mean i was like yeah, yeah there all. and um so so we're going to this event and i'm feeling all these kids and when we got to new york somebody called rocky and said look can we do this and we had the time and they said we we booked this this uh room at this bookstore and so about two dozen people come in and I open up to frequency and it was one child after the other, everybody coming through was children. And then I said, how many people here have lost a child? Everybody in the room raised their hand. What it was, it was a support group for parents who've lost children and they wanted me to do a spirit communication event. So when I was on my way walking in the rain in New York city. And it was February and like 40 degrees. And it was Miserable. really cold. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a, uh, uh, yeah. Moral of the story, go back to New York in the summer. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, but the spirits, they knew that this was going to happen mm -hmm. and because they move at the speed of light. And so they were with me. And when I got there, they just started coming through in droves. Mm -hmm. And that's not unusual. I've had situations like that before. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the other day I was doing a reading and I was getting ready to do the reading and kept hearing Beverly, 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 Beverly. So mm -hmm. it was a telephone reading and the client comes through and I, you know, I say, oh, I'm opening up. There's a woman coming through and I go and I describe how she passed. And I said, Beverly, Beverly. She, oh, my God. My mother's name was Beverly, and the way you described how she died is exactly how she died. Wow. Okay. So, uh, so Beverly, Beverly wanted to get a message through to her daughter, no matter what. And, and that's what's really wonderful about spiritual situational awareness is that spirits are going to, well, they're going to get a message through to us one way or another. The question is, are we going to be open to it? Are we listening? Uh, that's... Raft. Raft. Yeah, that's the raft technique. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, all this is amazing. All this information really, I mean, because it really kind of puts everything together, um, especially for somebody like me that I've kind of like, I knew all these things, but it's not organized in my head like you have it in this book. You know what I mean? If it makes any kind of well, sense. Well, um, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like near death experiences, shared death experience, deathbed visions, they've always been, it, they've been treated like it's a salad bar. Right. As opposed to a stew, right. okay. There's a commonality. Well, I never used that one before. That's a good That's one. That's a good one. You write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a side of the uh, NDE with a NDE. Little... <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. That's great. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, um, they, they've all been uh, put into separate and distinct categories. Right. When the reality is they're all operating on the same principles of frequency and energy transfer. One question I had for you, and um, I, I thought, you know, it was a good, um, you know, thought as us as humans, you know, in our DNA, you know, we have imprinted things in our DNA, you know, some of us are susceptible to certain things, some of us are this, some of us are that, whatever the case may be, it's all encoded in our DNA. Do you believe, um, you know, theoretically that mediumship is also passed through our DNA? Well, I'd say it is with my family, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, both my mother and my father uh, were mediums. My dad's sister, my dad had three sisters and one brother, and his sister Marjorie was a medium. His mother, um, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace, were all mediums. My mother was a medium, and her grandmother, Giovanna, was a medium. And, and um, I've been able to track these abilities in on both sides of my family back to the 1890s. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a number of people in the family that, that have these abilities. They appear to be what's known as a recessive genetic trait. A recessive trait is one that will skip. Like, for example, being right-handed is a dominant genetic trait. Right. Okay. 90% right. of the people in the world are right-handed being left-handed is a recessive genetic trait because only 10% of the people in the world are, and it skips a generation or two. But when you get two parents with the same recessive trait, then the likelihood one of their children will inherit that trait increases exponentially, which would be me. And it doesn't just apply to, to, um, um, mediumship i mean it applies to all sorts of intelligence athletic prowess unfortunately diseases yes, you know, like yes. diabetes can be you know genetic certain forms of cancer and and so on and so forth so so yes it's it's in it's in our dna um and anyway i i hope that answered your question yeah yeah no i, I it is i mean because it's a, it's a it's a concept that i've been you know uh, throwing around too because again people that i know that are they have media, uh, you know, type of, uh, uh, you know, abilities. They usually do come from, you know, families that have the same thing. So it's a common, uh, a commonality that I do see with a lot of the people that I do know. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing that we can, as humans, just like anything else, just like that, we can pass on to our children. Um, another question that I had for you, Mark, and I thought, you know, this book, it kind of ties everything together. Right. And, it all talks about energy and frequency, and that's a very important part and aspect about this book because the way we, you know, vibrating our frequency allows us to either, you know, communicate or not communicate with certain levels, right? But it also can affect our lives. So, for instance, there was a story, and I don't want to give too much of the book away, but there's stories in the book, and one of the last stories in the book is how we can make our own personal, you know, uh, hell, I guess, as you could say, or, yeah. you know, make our own, um, you know, environment not uh, conducive to our, our ourselves by the frequency that we're generating and how we're feeling. Um, that's a really important concept that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, one thing I've been, been impressing upon people for years, mm -hmm. and one thing that I also have to remind myself of, you know, people think that when you're a medium, somehow grief bounces off of us. No, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and, and part of being a medium is being ultra sensitive. You know, right. back in the Victorian era, they called us sensitives. You know, psychics became the word psychic sort of, you know, was a 20th century term, but sensitives. And um, let me tell you, being a sensitive boy was not, you know, the most ideal thing. But my parents recognized this as an early age. And my dad was cool about it because he had this ability too. And, you know, my dad, my, I remember my dad um, telling me that a real man is never afraid to say, I love you. And a real man is never afraid to cry for someone he loves who has died. And uh, I know I'm going off on a tangent a bit, but no, but, no, please. But, you know, Will, um, and one of the reasons I like working with you is because you get it. You know, you're a guy, you're a real guy, but you're also <laughs> a sensitive and compassionate person. Yeah. And, you know, guys, we have been, it, it, it may be changing now because uh, I love seeing like millennial dads that cuddle and, and love their kids, their babies. Millennial dads are good dads. They're changing yeah. the diapers and they're right on in there. They don't say, oh, female, this is your job. No. It's like, you know, raising a child is, is a joint effort. Right. And, but the thing is, traditionally, men have been socialized to suppress their feelings and, for God's sakes, never, never weep, never right. cry. Right. Well, surprise, we have tear ducts, we have feelings, <laughs> we have a central nervous system, and we have hearts for a reason. Yeah. Also, tears of grief are chemically different than reflex tears. Reflex tears are like, you know, something's irritating uh, your sinuses and you start to tear, like you're chopping up an onion and you start tearing. Right. Those are reflex tears. Right. Tears of grief, um, uh, medical professionals um, at, um, I think it's at USC in California and in, um, I believe it's in Minnesota, have found that the tears of grief actually contain the neurotransmitters in other words, the chemicals that cause depression. Wow. And so when you cry for someone you're grieving, that's the healthy thing to do because you're getting the chemicals that cause the depression out of your body. Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed like when you have a real good cry, real heavy cry, you're exhausted afterwards yeah, and yeah. then somewhat relieved? Surprise, there's a chemical, there's a scientific explanation for why that happens. Amazing. And so I try to teach men in grieving that it's okay to cry. That doesn't mean you have to do it in public. Okay. If you need to go somewhere, take your car somewhere, drive, you know, park, don't do this when you're driving, have okay. a good cry. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't make you weak. Right. It's the healthy thing to do. Also tell the people that you love, I love you. Okay especially your son. Yeah. Boys need to hear from their dad that their dad loves them. Yeah. You know, this, Oh, she doesn't know. It's like, yeah, yeah well, yeah, people yeah. need to know this. Right. So, so these are very, very healing things that, that people need, need to be aware of. Now, getting back to, to what you're saying about, uh, or asking about, about how we create our own hells. We have to realize that there is nothing that we can do about the fact that a loved one has died. And if I can digress a bit for a story, which is not in the book, okay? okay. I'll tell you how I learned this. One of my best friends, his, his name was Brad. And um, 
Brad and I love going on eco tours. Okay. okay. We used to go hiking in mountains. We, we yeah. went, you know, we'd go hiking in jungles and stuff. And we went to Costa Rica and we were up in the mountains and we went whitewater rafting or roughing it in the mountains and all this. And so we're getting ready to go back to the States. And if we figured, you know, we have been sleeping on the ground, roughing it, doing all this tough stuff. Let's go stay at a luxury hotel. So yeah. we got, you know, we got a couple of rooms at, uh, at this luxury resort on the, um, on the Pacific coast at nice. the Manuel Antonio, Man, wow. let me see if I, the Manuel Antonio <laughs> um, rainforest on the Pacific coast in, in Costa Rica. Wow. And we got up when, you know, one morning, cause you know, we've been used to getting up at the crack of dawn and we met at the cafe and we're drinking Costa Rican coffee, which gets you like going like this. I mean, oh, man, yeah. their coffee's freaking unbelievable it's like crack I mean, yeah yeah it, it definitely could qualify as a controlled substance yeah and we go, let's go for a walk on the beach okay let's do that you know yeah, yeah, so we're yeah, walking yeah. on the beach you know and we're walking walking and we're talking and we're buzzing on the caffeine and and mm-hmm. and all and you know in in into the to, you know on one side of us is the beautiful translucent crystal blue ocean waves crashing on the yellow sand beach and then on the other side is this beautiful dense dark rainforest and all of a sudden we realize the hotel, we can't even begin to see it. I mean, we've walked at least four miles. Wow. And then I also realized I'm not wearing shoes. Okay. Cause you know, I left the, the hotel, you know, I thought we'd just take a little walk on the beach and I thought, Oh, well, no problem. And all of a sudden, like it does in the tropics. And there's a reason they call it a rainforest. This storm comes off the ocean. All right. And the lightning got boom right above right. us. We're like, yeah. oh my God, you know, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. here we are on this open plain of a beach in a lightning <laughs> storm. And Brad's like, we got to go for cover in the jungle. And then the rain starts. And it wasn't like, oh, a nice rain. It's a rainforest. It's like a yeah, freaking monsoon. No, it was a freaking monsoon. So yeah. we run to the jungle. And just as we're about to, to get in, we hear, Rah! I mean, and I'm like, whoa what the heck is that yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and we stop and, and it's like you know and the funny thing is like you know we'd both seen jurassic park which was you know in costa rica and I'm like look i'm pretty sure they weren't dinosaurs but whatever was making those sounds ago and i said there's no way we're going in there okay and we're like back yeah. out on the beach and then and then kaboom a lightning <laughs> bolt goes off like right above us oh so no all but right into the jungle all right, yeah. now we're in the dark, we're in the jungle, and I don't have shoes on. Oh. Um, here's a piece of advice. Never go hiking in a Central American rainforest barefoot. barefoot. Okay, there's thorns, there's poisonous snakes, there's yeah. bullet ants, ants. there's yeah. underbrot, there's like right. all kinds, and these things in the trees above us are like this, and we're like flipping out, and it's yeah. misty, and, and so we're, you know, trying this in, but see, no, we've been in jungles before, so we're like, calm down, calm down, be quiet, right. okay? Right, right. And then yeah. we could hear these things moving around, then they moved off a bit. And then, you know, Brad's like, Mark, he said, we can't go back out there, and we can't get angry at the weather. We just got to right. deal with this. And I said, let's do it. So we're hiking, and I'm getting scraped up because, you know, by the, I wasn't wearing a shirt either. I was just wearing oh, a pair geez, of swim trunks. <laughs> I know, and I'm getting all beat the heck, you know, my feet, I'm like, I'm stepping on oh and all this you know and we're getting through this and and the path you know it was really tight and then all of a sudden we saw what was moving in the um trees above us they were howler monkeys Mm. named howler for good reason because these things get 
yeah, what it was, yeah. they were terrified of the lightning and they were screaming to each other. But yep. man, I, you know, and I'd been in a lot of jungles, but I'd never been anywhere where there were howler monkeys. I'd never heard <laughs> anything like that. I mean, it was like terrifying. And if you ever hear them in full, full scream mode, it, it really yeah. is. So now we're laughing like, okay, all right, all right. They're monkeys. All right. You know? And so this path led to another path. And then we realized this path was headed north, which is in the direction of the hotel. So it took us a um, couple hours, like four or five hours. But eventually we got back, you know. Wow. What an adventure, Mark. It, it was. And, and you know what it taught me? Well, <sighs> it taught me that there was nothing that I could do about the rain. And instead of, you know, it looking at it as an invincible negative force, and the jungle, the unknown depths of the jungle is being filled with shadowy monsters. Mm. That's like the journey through grief. Oh, it is. Nothing yeah. you can do about it. And right. it hurts. And you're never prepared for it. Just like me. I was not prepared to go hiking through a Central American jungle. But I had to. Right. And so while there's nothing you can do about the death of a loved one, mm -hmm. just like there was nothing I could do about being stuck in that rainforest and that predicament, what you can do is change how you react to the situation. You can't go back in time. You can't swoop in. You can't save somebody. A lot of us suffer from survivor's guilt. You got to acknowledge that it happened, but you have to focus on where you are now and where you need to be. And, mm -hmm no matter how difficult it is you have to confront and endure the situation mm. and i think in in this story too this is not in the book okay this um actually it's a story for maybe my next book the next one. <laughs> but, um, but uh yeah i mean that, that was really really intense and mm. uh, that's why i always tell people you you cannot change what has happened Right. You've got to see where am I now and how do I get through this? You don't get over the death of a loved one. It right. is a lifetime journey that you get through. And sometimes it is like being stuck barefoot in a jungle. Mm -hmm. And then other times you're going to find that path that leads to a bigger path. And eventually you will escape from that jungle of grief. Well, that's a, I think that's a great way of ending it tonight, my friend. I mean, that's a great positive message. I mean, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, listen, uh, after uh, afterlifefrequency.com, um, that's the website. Um, where else can they find you, Mark? I know you have your own podcast as well, your own show. Um, yes. Yeah, the Psychic yeah, in the Doc as well. The Psychic in the Doc every Tell Thursday me about that. at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. Pacific. And if people go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com, like, like we'll point out, please sign up for my newsletter. So you'll be up to date on when I'm on um, uh, other shows and like this one, because I'm, I'm hoping to come back. Absolutely. Um, also, I have a spirit communication online event. Yes. Saturday, October 2nd at 10 p.m. Eastern, which will be 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain and 7 p.m. Pacific. And it's being sponsored by Bright Live, B-R-I-G-H-T-L-I-V-E.com. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say, well, how can you do that online? And how can you do it on the phone? Because we're all electromagnetic souls. That's and electromagnetic right. energy moves at the speed of light. And the, the online conferences are just as accurate as the in-person 
events and, and the one-on-one -on -one readings. So I um, welcome everybody to register. The tickets are going fast on this one. And that's Saturday, October 2nd. Um, I'll be doing an evening of spirit communication on brightlive.com. Also, you can order my book through the afterlifefrequency.com. And my book comes out on audio October 5th in Kindle and print version October 12th. They're supposed to be all on the same day, but with all the shortages due to COVID, it had to yeah. get popped back a week. But I understand Ron Howard's new book also got popped back a week. <laughs> so you don't feel too bad. So I feel okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure to put all of the graphics of that that event coming up in October. And of course, we'll put up the uh, the website on the, on the bottom, afterlifefrequency.com, of course. You can go order that book. Um, please jump on it. It's It's a wonderful book. I, it's opened my eyes. It's it's organizing in my in my mind uh, as far as the things that I I've experienced in my life, and I I think a lot of people that uh, have any kind of um, you know questions or or maybe going through something uh, you know or have had NDEs or you know SDEs or anything like that, pick up this book. I mean, this book. I mean, it organizes what you need to be doing perfectly. I mean, it's a, it's a handbook of how to deal with the afterlife and how to maybe open yourself up and and deal with things a lot better um, as they come along, as we all have things in life come along. But uh, Mark, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, you're always a delight. And uh, I can't wait to have you back on here again. I look forward to it. And for all the listeners, keep tuning in to Dark Fringe Radio. Thank you, my friend. Hey, listen, have a great night. Thank you so much again. And we'll speak again soon. Okay, my friend. All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Mr. Mark Anthony, the Psychic Lord, Psychic Explorer. And of course, you can check out all his stuff at theafterlifefrequency.com. Make sure you go there and check out all of his books, of course, uh, including uh, Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go as well. And his newest book, uh, The Afterlife Frequency. So make sure you go there, afterlifefrequency.com. And of course, uh, check out his uh, symposium that he's doing on October 2nd which we have posted uh, here below. So nonetheless, uh, Jay, uh, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on this episode of Dark Bridge Radio. Um, listen, it was a, a good episode. Uh, next week, uh, I think we have a, a something a little bit different, and uh, I'll be posing that to you later. And I think a lot of the viewers are going to be interested in it. But nonetheless, I hope you guys um, Never good. Uh, enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed that episode of Dark Fringe Radio. Of course, you can listen to all our stuff at darkfringeradio.com and uh, at Dark Fringe Radio at all of our social media, of course. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week. <laughs>